0: Eye on Arabia. Reporting, analysis, and the occasional surprise from author and Middle East specialist Joseph Browdy. My current book project is about the ongoing war of ideas in North Africa and the Middle East, and how the United States can support Arab proponents of tolerance, pluralism, and the rule of law who are struggling to win it. The Foreign Policy Research Institute recently gave me an opportunity to share some of my research and test out the formulations that are emerging from it on a sharp crowd in New York City, one of FPRI's monthly foreign policy salons. Here's the lecture, about 20 minutes long, followed by a Q&A with the audience. Probably
1: most of you remember in the early years after September 11th. It was conventional wisdom in the Public conversation that in addition to the need to defeat Al Qaeda militarily, uh, there was also what people called a war of ideas to be fought. The idea that there was an ideology that was pernicious and was not a child of yesterday, uh, but was actually the result of inculcation and support by clerical endowments and endowed with enormous oil wealth. And somehow the ideas. Uh, underpinning al-Qaeda and other jihadist groups needed themselves to be confronted with other ideas. The U.S. moved at that time to take a few measures, one of which was to start a television network that became known as al-Hurra, another was to start a big radio network throughout the region called Radio Sawa. These projects did not do as well as they were meant to. Maybe the problem began because the White House sold these projects to the American people as something that would improve America's image in the Middle East, but then attempted to persuade Arab publics that it would be a, an unbiased source of news and information. And the result was a a product that was neither this nor that, Uh, it had a crisis of identity. It couldn't compete with the BBC Arabic service, Radio Monte Carlo, and other foreign broadcasts that had built up credibility for decades. And meanwhile, uh, the question of ideological engagement was left largely untouched there were a few small efforts, like translating the Federalist Papers into Arabic. But the natural response to somebody who sees it is, hey, these documents are 300 years old, they, they proved useful in a cultural and political context radically different than our own. What is the bridge between those ideas and the realities that we now inhabit? So, um, we fast forward nearly 14 years and find ourselves lacking in the tools to even hold a conversation with Arab publics, let alone wage a war of ideas. But in addition to that unfortunate situation, we also have a new administration whose commitment to waging a competition of ideas is unclear. Uh, President Obama made a speech in which uh, nearly everything he said had to do with military strategy toward ISIS. Uh, And there was one line about countering the warped ideology of ISIS, which he clearly regards as entirely alien and unrelated to anything else you would find in the region. Uh, A week after the talk, there was a senior official who visited Congress and asked about the war of ideas, said, there is no war of ideas, ISIS has no ideas. Now, there are a lot of people in the Middle East who would disagree with that statement. If you open the pages of most of the major uh, newspapers in the Arabic language, you will find uh, opinion articles by people who are looking inward and saying, actually, we were raised on a set of ideas in in certain places in the Gulf and areas where the Muslim Brotherhood has been powerful to believe in a set of ideas of which the ISIS ideology may only be taking them to their natural conclusion and we need to get to the heart of these ideas rather than nibble away at the edges so we have a paradox where from 14 years ago an administration said there's a war of ideas to be fought in the Middle East, there's extremism, and the region is in denial, to a present situation where the region knows that there's a problem and wants to deal with it, and perhaps the American administration is in denial. Mm -hmm. Now, to the extent that an effort was made in the past two weeks, I think we saw it when John Kerry visited the Saudi port city of Jeddah and met with King Abdullah and many other important figures in the Middle East and urged them to counter the ideology of ISIS. Fortunately, they are interested in doing that, not because he asked them to, but they've actually been working on it for a while. They have created television programs designed to counter extremism and are doing all kinds of other initiatives. As I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a little clip uh, to give you an example of what sort of effort is being waged by the likes of the Saudi government, you will see that while it is a step forward, there are still gaps in what they're doing that will not be filled by these initiatives on their own. So, Eli, if you would kill the lights. You are about to see a short clip from a new uh, TV program. It's been on in Saudi Arabia for a year called Humumna. And it is concerned with dissuading Saudi young people from joining
2: uh, jihadist groups in Syria and Iraq. (laughs) لعدم الخبرة, و... لعدم الخبرة وعدم معرفة حتى الجغرافي منهم يعني مجرد اندفاع هذا غلط هناك جماعات قد تصنع بالأساس على أعين أجهزة أجنبية مقادرة الإسلام أو غير اجنبيه وربما تكون خليطا من هذا وهذا قد تنشأ بشكل صحيح أو نية طيبة على الأقل لكن تخترق بل تقاد وهذا ما حدث واعترف فيه بالجزائر وغير الجزائر ليس الاختراق فقط ولا أن فلان مندس فلان عدو للإسلام ودخل هذا شيء خطير لا ليس هذا فقط يزايد يعني يجعل من نفسه هو الغيور والحريص على الإسلام والمسلمين ودولة الإسلام أكثر من العلماء والدعاة والمجاهدين أنفسهم أنت تريد أن تجاهد تريد أن تتاجر تريد أن تتزوج؟ في مقدمات للأمور شروط العمر السن أو الخبرة أو المال أو 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 الإعداد إلى آخره. طيب أنت تريد أن تجاهد؟ لابد أولاً أن يكون هناك اتحاد. لابد أن يكون هناك إعداد ثم يعلن الجناح. يعني هل بطريقة فوضوية نقاطه؟ هل تحت رأي عمي وجهلي نقاطه؟ هل من تحت من غير؟ so there's good news
1: about this, which is that plainly you have a public television network in Saudi Arabia that has been uh, tasked with discouraging young people from going to the war front and joining these groups. The problem is that while There is some evidence that this works in the short term, and I've visited Riyadh and seen numbers and statistics that indicate that some youths are being discouraged from going, some are coming home because they're compelled by these arguments. He is nonetheless nibbling at the edges of the problem, and he is not arguing against the ideology itself. What he's doing is saying, for example, well, it would be all well and good if they really were committed to what they say they're committed to but in reality they're backed by foreign intelligence agencies and infiltrated or you shouldn't fight because you don't know the territory or you shouldn't fight because first you need to get your parents permission and have the financial wherewithal and so on these arguments are easily refuted because all you have to do is say well I do have the money I've studied the terrain Uh, my mom says it's fine she's all for it and basically I'm gonna go not in spite of what you're telling me but because of what you're telling me as he said all of us are for jihad provided the proper stipulations and conditions and having met those stipulations and conditions I'm gonna go and so what these uh, programs in some ways do though well-intentioned and designed to block the fighting they end up reinforcing the edifice underneath this ideology. And what is needed and what one will not necessarily find on Saudi public television is an effort to break out of the matrix of this ideology and introduce new ideas, new ideas about how to organize the society, how to rethink these problems, Uh, in a way that transcends the sectarian differences and does not rely on the rubric of jihad and sharia and these principles uh, as a political system. So the question now having disarmed as a country from entering the discussion, what exactly could one do to help uh, introduce new ideas and move the conversation uh, in a direction away from this approach? I'm going to speak uh, from personal experience about one effort along these lines that I waged myself in cooperation with a group in Washington called the Culture of Lawfulness Project. The idea was let's leave aside the Federalist Papers and think about an analogy that might be more relevant to the environment that we are trying to communicate with uh, and sort of looking around and studying history and, and related affairs, we found Sicily in the time when the Mafia controlled much of Sicily, because in the Middle East some people call uh, the Muslim Brotherhood a Mafia, as if they're functioning as a society within a society. They, they say we have a religious Mafia in our country. Um, and so it occurred to my group that we could actually try to introduce uh, the techniques that civil groups used in Sicily to combat the mafia and see whether uh, media in the Arab world, schools, some religious figures and others would be interested in uh, applying them. Now how do you do that? Fortunately there are a lot of media uh, establishments in the Middle East that are interested in new ideas and open to someone who takes the trouble to come by and present them. So, I'm now going to show you, and if you would uh, dim the lights uh, again Ely, a little clip from a program on Al Arabiya, which is the probably the most popular television network in the Arabic language today, in which Turki Ad Dahil, who is the Larry King of the Middle East, gave me a little opportunity to make the case for the idea and its implementation.
2: أنت مهتم بثقافة بنشر ثقافة احترام القانون نعم أيضا لديكم حسب ما أعرف يعني مجموعة تعمل على نشر هذه الثقافة ما هو الأهداف التي تقوم عليها مجموعتكم هذه؟
3: حتى أدخل إلى هذا الموضوع لابد من تحديد سيادة القانون ما هي سيادة القانون؟ هي ثلاث نقاط ثلاث مبادئ أولا إن تكون لكل فرد في المجتمع فرصة المشاركة بتشريع القوانين وتطبيقها والإشراف عليها <تصفيق> ثانياً إلزام هذه القوانين على كل فرد في المجتمع ولا أستثني فيها الحكومة نفسها وثالثاً وأخيراً أن القوانين تحمي كل فرد في المجتمع وحقوقه بالعلاوه على المصلحة العامة هناك بعض التجارب على سبيل المثال في صقليه السبعينيات وقت ما كان المافيا تهيمن على المجتمع سواء كان على صعيد القطاع العام أو القطاع الخاص وكان حركة إصلاحية أخذت تكافح المافيا عبر مدني. حركة, مدني. حركة مدنية حركة مدنية هذه المنهجيه من النشاط
2: ثقافة احترام القانون كيف كافحت مثلا في سقلية مجموعات مدنية سيادة المافيا على المجتمع أنذاك هؤلاء
3: الناشطون حقنوا مبدأ سيادة القانون إلى المجتمع عبر وسائل الإعلام المسلسلات الدرامية الموسيقى المدارس وحتى منبر الكنيسة الكاتوليكية القسيس التزم بالتحريض ضد المافيا عدم سماح المافيا للصلاة في داخل الكنيسة. فهذه النشاطات شكلت نوع من الضغط على من يعارض القانون والحماية لمن يلتزم به
1: and keep the lights off for a second uh Elon, if you would. This is to give you an example of the pitch that I went around the Middle East uh, presenting in search of partners who would be interested in partnering in an effort to spread them and even apply them and so the idea was having found a bunch of people who shared these ideas and who were in media to invite them to come to Sicily and meet their counterparts who had struggled against the mafia there to be paired off with a uh, with people in the West who have worked on these projects themselves and conceive of creative projects that would uh, essentially translate the concept into the local conditions and so among the people here are Abdurrahman Wadli, who is the head writer for the hit Saudi comedy series Tash Matash with a very popular audience and a desire to lace uh, social messages into his programming any number of uh, intellectuals, talk show hosts from Qatar, from uh, a cleric from Jordan, and the outcome of this effort was rather thick uh, dossier of content that introduced the idea of the culture of lawfulness and began to create a buzz for this alternative way of organizing uh, political engagement. Now, uh, one of the, perhaps the star pupil of this conference was Mansour Ngedan, um who at the time was a, on the outs with the establishment because he had been a tough, a bitter critic of uh, Islamist groups in his native Saudi Arabia, but over time he carved a space for himself and he now runs, he befriended Turkey al-Dakhir, who supported him and gave him the opportunity to manage Three uh, new institutions that are dedicated to promoting progressive reformist ideas in the Middle East and never lost sight of the vision, uh, that vision that we talk about. That if you have an Arab state, big, giant, monolithic structure, it has a lot of capacity. If uh, the state wants to, and given the right ideas, it can overhaul Islamic seminaries and mosques, it can transform the educational system, it can continuously tweak and improve the content of uh, broadcasting, such as to condition young people to develop alternative ideas. And indeed, it can reorient the way it spends its money on soft power projects. And so, years later, we fast forward to the present. The Saudi government has declared war on the Muslim Brotherhood. The king has just made a statement about how teachers in schools should stop preaching in favor of the brotherhood and Mansour is concerned to push the discussion further to talk about how well it's not just the brotherhood, it's also Salafi and Wahhabi and al-Qaeda ideologies and it's not just the education system, it's also the clerics and the other sectors and it's not just about overcoming one particular ideology, it's about a new way of thinking about the other that
2: transcends
4: sectarian tension. And so here he is sending that message in his own words. I'm Riyadh Al-Katab Al-Sahfim, Mansoor Al-Ngidhan. I
5: mean, the importance of this decision today in this in the Mr. has been three this But a very important, مليئا بالمعاناة مليئا بالآلام مليئا بالكثير من التضحيات وكما أتمنى أيضا أن يتساوق هذا القرار أيضا بتوعية أكثر بالانفتاح نحو الآخر أن يصل الوعي إلى كل شاب وإلى كل طالب وإلى كل شاب سعودي إلى أن أخاك في الوطن الذي يقبع في المنطقة الشرقية في القطيف أو الأحساء من الشيعة أو في المدينة هو أخوه في الوطن وعليه أن يكون أقرب إليه من إخوان المسلمين الذين في الحقيقة هم الخطر الحقيقي على الوطن وعلى سلمه
4: هل تتوقع بالفعل أنه في تغلغل في داخل المدارس لنشر مثل هذه الأفكار؟
5: هو تغلغل أخوان المسلمين وتغلغل الإسلام السياسي وتغلغل الفكر القاعدي والجهادي هو عميقا جدا مع الاسف الشديد وقد ضرب بجذوره منذ عقود طويلة ولكن الحمد لله أن الآن صحونا واستيقظنا يبقى أيضا أن جميع المؤسسات الحكومية في تربية التعليم أيضا وفي التعليم العالي أيضا وفي وزارات الشؤون الإسلامية والأوقاف والدعوة والإرشاد لا بد أن تطلع بمسؤولية وتتحمل مسؤوليتها.
1: so um what this demonstrates is that it's possible to find thought partners in the Middle East who uh, share ideas about a progressive new direction for the country it's possible to work with them uh, in developing those ideas in finding models that might work and doing so actually can create new realities on the ground and after this conference in Sicily and a few others that we did in other Arab countries with a similar approach. We wondered, well, okay, so we have some soap operas, we have uh, um, people getting up and speaking and so on, but will this translate into um, activity in other sectors besides the media? Uh, and sure enough, one day, uh, sitting at home, the phone rings and it is uh, the, the Interior Ministry in the United Arab Emirates and they want to start a new organization calling the, called it the Office of the Culture of Lawfulness. And they asked for ideas and a proposal for what it would look like and uh, how to staff it and what to teach and what to put in the schools and so on. And they now it now exists. It, it is uh, got a $15 million a year budget and it's uh, active in different sectors in the country. Um, And it is an example of, uh, in a very small way, of how these sorts of cultural intervention can work uh, and Americans can be involved and may indeed prove essential in bringing to the fore ideas that might otherwise not make it into the discussion if matters are passively accepted as they are. So that's what I wanted to share, uh, really in the spirit more of starting a conversation and I'd love to hear your thoughts, um, any ideas or questions or objections. Um, thank you for your time. Well, we're happy to open it up. We have a question way back there, and then we'll <coughs> turn to Dick Um So my question is really, uh, so you, you're really, I think this is fantastic. You're doing a lot of great things with countries whose governments are really sort of Passively, I would say, uh, complicit in uh, exporting jihadist activity. But what about countries who are actively uh, playing a role in it, like Iran, like Qatar? Uh, how, how do you kind of deal with those situations? The example of the Sicily approach is one of maybe a dozen others that one could come up with and the idea of partnering with say a group in the United Arab Emirates or a group in Saudi Arabia is one example of something one could do but you're absolutely right that you have to come up with other ideas and approaches for countries where the government itself continues to back a group like the Muslim Brotherhood. One approach in a place like Qatar for example is when you consider that uh, there has de- Qatar is not a monolith and not everyone is equally happy about the uh, support for the Brotherhood coming from the government in Doha. And indeed there are Qataris who have really good ideas about uh, progressive uh, religious education. I met one of them about seven years ago. Uh, his name is Abdul Al Ansari. And he was once the head of the faculty of Sharia at the University of Doha. And he wrote amazing articles about how we need to rethink our interpretation of certain principles and so on. Some made their way into the U.S. via translation. So what it would occur to me to do in a situation like the one in Qatar is to reach out to those uh, elements within the society that are opposed uh, to the uh, to the brotherhood Um, because if you lend support to alternative ideas and support a more robust internal discussion in the country then maybe you'll do a lot better than merely applying pressure from the outside
6: But if you take the, I'm sorry, the education approach, you're dealing with the huge uh, lead time in terms of dealing with the community, of re-educating them. And meanwhile, what we're dealing with right now is a here and now of a number of organizations that are really opposed to it aside from a number of governments that are officially opposed. And how do you see that happening uh, in time to not allow some of the goals of yeah. uh, the these uh, projects, Islamists to sure. uh, really get yeah. out there,
1: and whatever label you'd like to attach right. to this nature sort of thing—if you want to call it a war of ideas or a cultural intervention, any number of other terms might apply—is a generational project. If the U.S. had Uh, developed a serious plan in 2001 to engage the public discussion in the Arab world, we might see the fruits of it, the beginning of the fruits of it today. If a more meaningful effort were to begin now, it would not be helpful to us over the next year or the next two years in any way that you could see in the the flashpoints of conflict. It's, you're talking about an, a new generation of young people who are more open to new ideas. Uh, so, no, it is not a... Um, I cannot say that, that I can offer something particularly useful to people in, uh, who are militarily deployed at the moment. There are initiatives to refute the ideology of ISIS in a sort of a count, point-counterpoint way. They look a lot like that first cleric, who essentially says these guys are a bunch of hypocrites. He doesn't argue ideologically with them. He simply attempts to discredit them as having been infiltrated by foreign terror uh, and surveillance, not real, uh, and so on. Those sorts of tools might help a little bit now. These sorts of efforts don't register a, uh, an immediate impact, but in the long run, without them, you will have ISIS today, and Khorasan tomorrow, and another group in, in three years, and it's nothing is going to improve unless the cultural dynamic begins to change. Does that mean you don't see any hope for the people of Mosul and other areas that have been taken over by ISIS? As I say, this is an approach that cannot, that will not register an immediate effect. What I, what I read now is, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing these two places incorrectly, that Hit and Cobain
5: seem to be facing ISIS attacks, and they, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of optimism about being able to stop them.
1: We'll talk about it in a slightly different way, which is, Ultimately, there needs the question of, of what the post-war uh, environment would look like needs to be resolved. Right? Will this will Iraq continue to exist as a nation state? Will there be an attempt to establish a federalist Iraq in which there's power sharing? Would seem to be in some ways more plausible. What I see is President Obama and other leaders saying the Iraqis have to step up to the plate and be better about uh, sh- sharing power among the different sects and regions of the country and so on. But there is, beyond that, not, really nothing is being said. What does it mean to step up to the plate? How do you prepare the groundwork for uh, an idea of Iraq that enables this transsectarian uh, identity to emerge and stabilize? there's really no way around starting now
4: I think the key to win this is to get the 1.6 billion Muslim in the world to stand up and denounce them as Muslim because everything they're doing is the antithesis of Islam I mean I was talking with uh, King Abdullah here during the UN session and I said, what do you think of ISA and, and the way they're practicing Islam? He says, I can't, don't even say those two words together. So the ignorance that is happening in the West, so anybody who is Muslim must be a criminal. You know, you should be killed because you're against us. That's how they're gaining power. So we are on our tiptoes, like, can't say this because is- Islamic people are gonna get mad. We can't say that, we have to play it diplomatically like this, But. Why raise awareness to the Islamic world, defend your religion, denounce them as Muslim, then they are just thugs and terrorists, and they have no power. They are using Islam to become who they are. And we're scared of them because of that. What do you think about that?
1: Sure. I think what you want uh, uh, 1.6 billion Muslims to do is a great idea. The first question is, first of all, to denounce ISIS is very important and to say that Islam spits them out and so on. Another aspect of it is to advance another way of thinking about Islam. Absolutely. And uh, what is Islam? If we are to leave the um, religious framework and just put God out of it, Islam is a distinguished tradition of 1400 years of uh... ideas, laws, uh, values and ethics and morals that have been articulated and re-articulated and corrupted and cleansed and (coughs) purged and uh, re-distorted and so on and so there is a lot to draw from there's a lot to draw from uh, and the question is who does the articulating who explains what this tradition means And what is the machinery that is used to advance a a tolerant, uh, moderate uh, approach to the practice of the faith? And so the problem has always been that there is well endowed machinery that has had the megaphone. Mm. And so it's necessary to build a new machinery, a different kind of machinery, that both denounces Uh, these groups, but also articulates uh, the 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 alternative.
0: I had two questions really about the cleric that, you were, that we saw earlier, um, the, the film of the cleric. Um,
1: when you were talking about like you know getting like you know he was sort of straddling that line of saying you know don't join them they're they're hypocrites but not like denouncing their actions mm-hmm. you know. What if somebody like like you know, what if somebody like him did say, no, no no no, denounce their actions? Like, you know, what would what would be the like sort of effect of that? Like it, it, has there been an effort to like sort of convince
0: somebody of stature, conservative, like religious figure, you know, no no no, no the, the, the their aims are, are wrong. Not don't do jihad because they're doing it wrong, don't do jihad. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: uh, <laughs> well I guess that's my question. <laughs> The um, the community of clerics in Saudi Arabia is uh, a multi-generational uh, network that is tightly knit. The ideas are, uh, you know, they have a pedigree that's uh, arguably 300 years old. Uh, and to persuade them to really turn the ship around is not going to happen uh, in a year or... E- maybe even a generation. There are people within the government in Saudi Arabia who recognize that this is a problem and it needs to be addressed, and they're doing all kinds of things to address it. I'll give you an idea of what sort of measures are being taken so you'll appreciate the situation and also how long it would take if it succeeds. They're talking about, for instance, introducing other disciplines besides religious education into the three universities that train clerics so for example they want to introduce uh, physics and math and a little bit of the humanities and uh, experimental sciences the uh, the theory being that if these people mix with people from other disciplines they will get more of a critical mindset and that in the long run may be helpful so that's a little something they're organizing uh, summer camps for kids, which are outside of the framework that the clerics control. They are looking at the educational system and saying, you know, there's a remarkable uh, statement by the Minister of Education in Saudi Arabia who said, we allowed these people to kidnap our children. It was a really rather unusual comment. And so they're trying to figure out how to get teachers who don't look up to some of these clerical elites. And one of their ideas is, well, they need to be uh, trained to be teachers outside of Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. Maybe let them uh, study in the U.S. uh, to be get certified as teachers, uh, or in European countries, so that they'll come back and they'll have formed a set of ideas and pedagogical approach that is in no way connected to the internal dynamic. So these things are going to take a really long time. There's political will to do it, but it is uh, uh, a very difficult and slow-moving process.
6: You've talked a lot about conventional media communications. As I understand it, I have to admit, most of my information comes from the general press. I don't have any insights into any of these groups. But as I, the warriors who are part of the groups are largely people under the age of 21 or 23. Uh, they are underemployed or unemployed. They feel isolated in the countries in which they live. And ISIS, as I read about it, has been incredibly effective using social networks to to recruit. Uh, how do you uh, all of what uh, I've heard you talk about is you know, what I view as conventional presentation. That is, the press, documentaries, those are uh, maybe addressed to people in their 30 to 50 year bracket. Mm-hmm. But the ones under 25 are, are more astute, growing more astute in the use of, of, of uh, social network m- media. Mm-hmm. And the whether it's Qaeda, al-Qaeda, Taliban, or, or, or ISIS, they're very sophisticated in the use of it. Right. So how are these efforts you're trying to engender going to cop a march on these folks who seem to be using the most prolific form of, of mass communications ever invented by man? And you don't seem to be using it. Well, this is a very
1: short uh, version oh, of, okay. of a much longer story. And the good news is that there are efforts to use social media uh, along these lines. But let me start by, and I'll give you an example or two, but let me start by saying that there is a a structural problem that the proponents of reform face in looking at social media. And it's very simple. It's easier to argue that something should be destroyed in 140 characters than to explain what you need to build in 140 characters. For example, during the Arab Spring, Twitter was very useful in telling hundreds of thousands of kids to show up at a certain place, uh, at a certain time, and and say that the people want the fall of the regime. Simple, elegant, straightforward, and so on. But once you begin to talk about what is to come next, it is more difficult to articulate that uh, through social media and it becomes a matter of inculcation just like any other. It's something where you need an educational system uh, to think about, okay, we have these children in the classroom every day, eight hours a day, and we're going to spread certain values and ideas over and over again in 90 different ways. Social media does not uh, will we'll never be able to replace these sorts of brick-and-mortar institutions in terms of the building of a mindset. Now, reformists are using social media. Turkey of Dakhir, the person I showed you, uh, has a new uh, kind of a social media show. It's a two-and-a-half minute clip every week called Fichat Rishay." it means There's Something on My Mind. And it's a little monologue, a sort of uh, a lecture about uh, something that he feels is wrong with young people's uh, attitude toward this or that. He'll take on uh, the militant mindset, corruption, etc. He was interviewed on television, and he said, this little show, which you can download on your iPhone, he said, it's like downloading an update on your iPhone. In other words, you've got your operating system, and it's great, and just click here and watch this, and I'm going to improve your operating system uh, yeah. just a little bit uh, for two and a half minutes every week. So, you know, people come up with creative ideas, and there are many of them, but in the end, the appeal of uh, maximalist, extremist ideologies is the result of a long, multi-generational effort of inculcation, and it can only be countered with a, with a commensurate uh, project.
6: Okay. You you refer to the United Arab Emirates uh, and a program that seems to be very progressive and useful. What is it about that country that made it so open to this kind of a program?
1: That's a very interesting question uh, and not easy to answer on the back of an envelope uh, in terms of being that it is an authoritarian state important decisions being made behind closed doors by a tiny number of people. The answer to your question must have something to do with the mentality of the individuals who control the place. So it's possible to conjecture of something about the family traditions, uh, uh, mercantile, seafaring, uh, community of elites, and so on. But these are all uh, theories. Uh, it is clear that in, at a certain point in the 1990s, Key people within the government decided that there was a brotherhood movement that had been running the schools, uh, the mosques, since they entered the country as refugees from Egypt in the 50s and 60s, and they are taking the country in the wrong direction, and if we don't stop them, they're going to destroy the country. They could not press a button and evict these groups so thoroughly had they penetrated the institutions of state and society. They tried all kinds of measures that were very subtle. For example, rather than fire everybody with the Brotherhood affiliation who worked for the government, they would move them around, say from somebody who was a, a teacher, might be reappointed to collect the garbage because he can't do as much damage uh, in that way. Um, they, it was a long-term process of building internal consensus for changes, and I know someone in the UAE who's uh, in government and he said the best kind of change, and the kind of change that works here, uh, is the kind that happens so gradually that by the time it's changed, nobody even notices. Just a little bit at a time every day. And I think that what you find there in schools and in the mosques is that uh, there has been this kind of incremental turnaround.
0: So uh, there's been sort of one country in the last few years where there's been sort of a version of the top-down process that you've described, except it's happened in a very kind of authoritarian way, which is Egypt, where they literally have treated the Brotherhood as if it's the Mafia mm-hmm. rounding up top leadership, uh, declaring that the organization's a, you know a terrorist organization, essentially, um, whipping up a lot of public sentiment against the brotherhood. And do you think that, that sort of thing is, is helpful, uh, that sort of people like CC are really the key to solving this problem, uh, or do you think it does kind of more harm than good? Uh,
1: an autocrat can be uh, instrumental in, in implementing a project of cultural intervention because he has the, the luxury of long-term planning, provided he maintains power. Uh, We all know in this country, frustrated about American policy, that one of the problems uh, of a democratic uh, political environment is that plans are made but they're always uh, short-term plans because of the electoral cycle. So in theory, if you have a, a monarch or other autocrat who has a certain vision and is committed to implementing it over a long period of time, that can be a very important asset. The question is, does the individual have that vision? Some of the media messaging that is promoted by the government has been a little bit more like that Saudi cleric attempts to discredit the Brotherhood by arguing that it's a foreign manipulation of uh, by foreign intelligence services, etc., as opposed to doing the hard work of arguing against the, the fundamental ideas. That said, I was in Egypt um, over the summer and I met with people sort of ministerial and vice ministerial level and asked them about what they were trying to do. And I did find that there were thoughtful people who appreciated that you can't just discredit an opponent, you have to also build up alternative ideas. There is a sense, that also an awareness that they can maintain their position, while at the same time moving the, uh, the polity forward. And they're interested in that kind of a balance. So, you know, potentially there can be benefits to the continuity uh, of an autocracy in a situation like this. I
2: just would add that uh, it's been said that uh, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but if you fail to, to do that, the best time is right now. And uh, I think Joseph
1: is uh, planting some seeds that are significant, and what we're embroiled on in, in the Middle East is going to take decades to work itself out, and uh, Joseph is right there digging. So thank you, Joseph. Thank
0: all of you for You've been listening to Eye on Arabia. If you'd like to learn more or get in touch, follow me on Twitter at J-O-S-E-P-H-B-R-A-U-D-E or browse www.josephbrowdy.com. On my homepage, you'll also find a link to my weekly podcast in Arabic, Risalet, New York, as well as links to books, articles, and upcoming events.